Would you mind getting inside the oven to clean it? I'm sorry? I'm too big. I can't reach back there. The kitchen's got to be clean. The oven's off. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Get farther in there. All the way in. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners who really appreciate the support. Uh, we really hope y'all checked out our interview with Tyler Maine. We just dropped. Really awesome. We really appreciate you giving our time. You, your time, uh, Tyler. Finally got a Michael Myers actor on the show. That was awesome. The Before best Michael Myers. In your opinion. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, before we jump into tonight's film review, we're just going to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. We got all of our interviews, episodes, uh, celebrity shout outs, our store. Go check it out. And quick shout out to all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Don't Go Out There and you'll see uh, Brian's awesome graphic. And Brian wants to talk about social media real quick. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, uh, we're actually looking for a company to partner with to either, you know, be our main sponsor or perhaps just, you know, sponsor segment like Best Kill, Worst Kill, you know, something like that. Um, so if you're someone out there that, you know, wants to possibly do that, we would love to chat with you. Um, just reach out to any of us on any of the, the platforms that Nico just mentioned, you know, or or we have a contact page with all of that stuff listed on a don't go out there dot com. And uh, we look forward. I, we look forward to you know a partnership with, with someone out there. So we just wanted to uh, to put that out there today. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, tonight is my film choice for review. Uh, I chose 2015's A Visit. It's uh, our first M Night Shyamalan movie, and I'll go ahead and just give my quick overview first. Uh, I lied to my fellow co-hosts in our group text, and I said this was the first M Night movie I ever saw. That was a lie. The first one I ever saw actually was Devil, uh, which is not a bad movie, but it's just not real memorable to me. Uh, but this one uh, is very memorable to me. The, I remember watching this movie. I was working at a sawmill. I was working on the Saturday shift. And my job basically on Saturdays, you're just sitting there being a babysitter, watching stuff, watching tools and handing out parts. So I really had nothing to do. So I rented this movie from Redbox and I popped it in. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into outside of the trailer. And then when that, that plot twist at the end hit, I was like, holy shit. I remember tweeting about how shook I was. I really like this movie. Uh, I think the acting top to bottom is great. The two kids are great, and the grandparents are great. Uh, I really like this movie. Go ahead, Brian. What's your general overview? Um, this is actually the first time I've, I've, I had seen this movie, um, and I like this movie a lot. I, I'm, I'm kind of an M. Night Shyamalan fan, though. You know, in, in my defense... I haven't seen all of his movies. Um, I never saw Lady in the Water or After Earth or even Devil, actually. And I know Ugh, univers universally, like 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 Mike just said, a lot of people don't like those. So, but I love Sixth Sense. I love Unbreakable Glass. That whole trilogy. I love. I like. I like the Village, and I know I'm probably one of the only few people on Earth that actually like the happening. But I really do. So I think I'm more of a like an M Night Shyamalan fan than the average person. Um, 
and so far, you know, I'm 100% all of his movies I've watched. I like every single one of them. Um, and I thought it was really cool when I saw the story where, you know, he just took the money he was given from after earth and just kind of went on his own and made this movie on this super small budget, you know, which, which we've seen in the past makes you focus more on the story and the script. Um, so, so again, I, I really like this movie. Uh, yeah. So this is a return to form for M. Night Shyamalan, in my opinion. It, is it great? No, but is it good? Yes. Uh, I enjoy this movie. I saw it in the theater when it came out. Uh, scary as hell <laughs> in the theater. And I don't mean I was scared, but you know, there's definitely those scary moments at the end that, that did get me and it's hard and I'm a hard one to get. So, you know, job well done there. What I will say is, you know, this comment on N.I. Shyamalan, a lot of mixed bag there because like you, Brian, I like the six cents and glass and split and, and all that stuff. And, you know, even, even the village and, and the happenings. Okay. It's not the worst movie ever made, but there's a lot of shit in his repertoire as well. And this was kind of a return to what I think of when I think of M night Shyamalan. And look, this movie has what I think is a really cool twist. If this movie didn't have that twist, I don't know how much I would enjoy it. Um, because it's just kind of a stock found footage movie until then. And I, and I do want to give them credit. I think this movie works not being shot with like found footage style camera. Um, most found footage style movies wouldn't, but this one does for some reason. And I think absolutely, it's, absolutely. And, and I think it's because the, the character, the teenage girl is supposed to be a filmmaker. And so it actually makes some sense that she might have a decent camera um, and all that. So I enjoy the movie again. It has some stuff that I don't like. I think it, it draws out a little bit. This movie is a little bit over an hour and a half. I feel like it could have probably went under that runtime, in my opinion. But uh, again, still enjoy it. It has really good scares. And this movie's I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but it's got some funny ass parts in it for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So I, too, am a am not Shyamalan fan. Like, Brian, you said you might be one of the few. I beg to differ, brother. I enjoy the happening. I enjoy nice. um, Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. Those three are great as a trilogy. I thought Split was the, the highlight of those three movies, but whatever. Uh, Signs is one of my favorite movies. Like I enjoy In My Shyamalan movies. And so when I'm watching this one, which, by the way, I hadn't seen until a few days ago. I watched it, I think it was Thursday for the first time. I missed it when it came out, and I just never got around to it. This, you know, If there's one thing that M. Night Shyamalan is going to do, He's going to give you a twist. And so I'm watching this movie like, okay, what's the twist? What's the twist? What's the twist? I enjoy it, but I think that there are things that could have been better. I think there are things that have been better in his other films. But overall, I enjoy the movie. I think that the casting is great from top to bottom. And we'll see, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see once we get to the scene by scene how I feel about the overall effects of the movie. But I think it's a listen. You're not going to find an M Night Shyamalan movie that I don't like. So Nico, relax. I'm not going to shit on your movie again. I'm going to enjoy it. We'll just see what the overall score is. Score is. <laughs> well, thank God I couldn't handle another joyride. My, my heart, my, my heart couldn't take it. Uh, and then when you shit on Insidious, that hurt me a lot too. Um, but before I jump into the scene by scene, I will say I think the plot twist is great. Uh, me and Brian were texting about the plot twist earlier because he hadn't seen it. And I just, you know, I was like, hey, brother, how'd you like the movie? 
I think there's kind of a, a major uh, plot hole with the twist, but if you can kind of excuse it, which you you really shouldn't, especially if you're a parent, uh, it kind of it kind of hurts the twist. But I, I kind of excuse it. But y'all ready to jump into the scene by scene? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. The film starts with a mom telling you know her life story. She fell in love with a substitute teacher. They had two kids. But he left when he fell in love with a, a person at Starbucks. She left at age 19 and hasn't spoke to her parents in 15 years. Their parents reached out on the Internet and want to see their grandkids. And, you know, the mom looked up like this mental hospital they worked at and all that. They're counselors. Uh, mom hasn't told her kids about what happened and why they don't see their grandparents. Tyler is telling mom how he's got two girls on text, whatever that means. She drops both the kids off at the train station. You know, with the uh, the old classic chase the train, and then when the mom realizes they're gone, she starts crying. Becky and Tyler, they start their documentary off saying, Mom and boyfriend, they're going on a cruise. Tyler has an issue with germs since his dad left. Now he's freestyle rapping with the train worker who is beatboxing for him. They exit the train and unite with the grandparents. Monday morning, Becky intros the grandparents to the documentary. They get to the house and see their mom's tree swing, and they pose and take pictures and all that by it. Tyler shows off his rapping skills to Nana. Pineapple upside down cake is what he has to freestyle about. They get to their mom's room and they pick their beds. Pop Pop says no going into the basement because there's mold down there. And they realize they don't have any cell signal. They Skype call with mom. She cares but doesn't care about how her parents are acting. Uh, Camera operator is Tyler's title. Tyler's outside now and he sees Pop Pop go into a shed and calls for him. But Pop Pop just kind of ignores him and doesn't answer. Oh, that's the first two scenes I got. Go ahead, Brian. So this is, I believe, the only role that I've ever seen Catherine Hahn, who plays the mom in this, that is actually serious. Um, obviously, my mind goes directly to Step Brothers, where she's asking Dale to crawl up in her vagina and live there. So <laughs> I definitely had a little bit of a hard time taking her seriously as the mom, but she really did do a good job playing a seemingly like overwhelmed mom, and she did a really good job with her role. That was just my own personal problem I have picturing her after the other stuff I've seen her in. Um, I'll say the dialogue in this movie isn't maybe the most natural or the most believable, but I feel like the actors do a really good job of actually delivering it like in a way where it is believable, if that makes sense. Like Becca's big words, I think are too much. And Tyler's rapping is too good. It's awesome, but it's like, it's probably too good for their ages. But I, like I said, it's easily overlooked for me because they do such a good job in their performance. Um, and Tyler's Tyler's my favorite character in this movie by far. Um, I think the found footage route was a really good way to go with this. Um, I think it's way more effective than it would have been otherwise. And I, it gives you a little bit, it gives you a lot more tension. I feel like, um, you know, and, and I, I we know I, I'm a found footage fan anyway. I don't know of one that we've done that I haven't been a fan of anyway. So maybe I'm biased. Um, I also think you can't say enough about Deanna Dunnigan and Peter McRobbie as Nana and Pop Pop. They do a tremendous job acting, um, especially in this group of scenes. I feel like with, with making you feel like there's more to them than they're letting on. Um, also, I want to just say, I want to kind of echo what Mike said with the camera. The camera is way too good for this, for one of these kids to have. But you know what? Just like Mike said, that's a nitpick that I'm just kind of putting out there, but I really don't care about because even if it's unbelievable, I, I mean, I'm not trying to watch some grainy, crappily shot movie just because it's quote unquote believable to have a crappy camera. So I think that would have taken me out way more than them having a professional 
professionally shot found footage film. Um, and lastly, I really loved the lack of soundtrack in here. Um, it's realistic. Um, if there's jump scares or whatever, there's not like music behind it unless there's music being played, you know, in the film. So I really like that. And in and, and any other music is explained away by the fact that you're watching a finished edited film by the little girl. So you're not really watching, quote unquote, found footage in that regard. And I, I, so I really liked what he did with the soundtrack there. Yeah. Hey, before you go, Mike, you, you made a great point, Brian. I watched uh YouTube, he's a, basically a film critic, superstar on YouTube, Chris Duckman, his review of this movie. Um, and he made a great point, like the same points you made. This is a found footage film, so they don't have none of the found footage gimmicks of adding music or or anything like that to this movie. They keep it real. Like any any music you hear is because the kids are playing and not because they went and edited in to scare you or anything like that. So big shout out to Shyamalan for you know being realistic in this movie. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I agree with that, by the way. The lack of soundtrack makes this movie more realistic, and I enjoy it more because of it. It, it, it kind of keeps the vibe of the movie creepy the whole time without actually doing anything creepy, just like that still silence you get in the background a lot. just makes it, me a little uneasy, so they do a good job with that. Um, as far as everything going on here, look, I like this cast. I think the acting is really good. I think both – you know, I know you guys already touched on it, but I didn't give my thoughts in the intro. I think the cast is good. I think – I think Catherine Hahn is is good as the mom, which kind of like what Brian said. The first time I saw this movie, that's what I go to as well. Like Stepbrothers, she's in some other Will Ferrell, John C. Riley stuff. Like that's where my mind goes. And I think she did a good job as the mom here. Um, right. So, and, but where me and Brian differ is the character of Tyler. I find him annoying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he's comic, but he's comic relief for some of the, you know, for some of the films. So I'm willing to forgive that he kind of annoys me because he does provide some balance and laughter. Um, I'm more laughing at him and not with him. So maybe that's why. Um, but I actually like the character of Becca and look, you're right about the dialogue. It's one of my kind of my nitpicks in the movie with the kids and the dialogue. I think it's on purpose. So I get what they're going for. She's a smart film cinephile student person or whatever destined for, you know, USC or arts Academy or whatever. But, and then he's this, I don't know what he's supposed to be, but the rap is, you know, it's very 1992. Um, So uh, again, I like this collection of scenes. It's that they do a good, and Nana and Pop Pop are great. Like that, that, that is probably my biggest takeaway from this whole movie is the acting by the two grand or the two uh, I'll save it. Nana and Pop Pop are great. They're stars. And by the way, Pop Pop is jacked. Okay, like underneath the all the layers of clothes, he's a built son of a bitch. And I'm not going to tell Nana to call me sometime, but I'm thinking about it. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. Take care. I'm just saying, Nana, call me sometime. That that, you know what? Oh, there it is. There it is. He's doing. There it is. And Catherine Hahn can call me too. Said what I said. Well, you took the words out of my mouth with Catherine Hahn. Yeah, she can definitely call me sometime. And I want to give a hats off to her because what Nico said or what was earlier said about when you think of her, you think of stepbrothers and all that. I think that brings a realness to her character in this movie because she seems like the kind of mother that's like, you know, she's at her wit's end. She kind of needs a break. She still brings the comedic element to it with her laid back persona in the movie. And the fact that she was like, 
you know, just just the way she delivers that opening monologue, I thought was perfect. And it was based on her acting style, not just the character that's written for her. So I, I definitely want to give a shout out to Catherine Hunt for that. Uh, the rest of the film, or the rest of the opening scene, the the documentary style automatically has me hooked. Like I, I dig the found footage style. I'm a big fan of it. If I had been on for the uh, Blair Witch Project original review that you guys did, I would have given it the highest rating of anyone because I like found footage and the way That's they do boy. it. <laughs> I got you, Brian. That's the my boy. That, the way that they do it is perfect because they don't add that extra score, that extra music that kind of, oh, okay, this is this is post-edit. No, this is authentic. This is like, I just found this. There's no music. Here's what I shot. Take it. And I enjoy that a lot. Um, you know, I don't want to shit on anyone this early into a review, but Ed Oxenford, or Ed Oxenbold, sorry, a.k.a. Tyler, I wasn't a big fan of him in the movie. Maybe it was the character that was written for him. Maybe it was the lisp. Maybe it was just everything, but he looked like a beans from even Steven's reject. And it just, it really took me out. But at the same time, I can also appreciate it because growing up, how many kids do we know that wanted to be this rapper that you look at them, you're like, you're not a rapper, give it up. So maybe it was authentic, but I didn't really, you know, it just kind of, he was Molly's favorite character. Let's put it that way. And then um, I, I did like actually the dialogue for, uh, for Becca because she seemed like a smart, articulate girl who wanted to be this artsy fartsy type. And the way that she used this, this, this dialogue and this vocabulary that she had, I actually really enjoyed that because it adds some, listen, I've got cousins that are brilliant minds that try actively try to use these, you know, 50 cent words in their everyday vocabulary. And I'm like, come on, you don't really talk like that. And that's what she reminded, she reminded me of. She reminded me of my real life family that are well-educated and, and are very articulate that just want to portray themselves that way. So it was believable to me because of my life, my life uh, experiences, but beans i'm sorry i'm sorry tyler took me out of it just a little bit <laughs> I, I feel the big mftk vibes going on uh <laughs> pop 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 checks on the kids at bedtime 9 30 becca wants more cookies but it's past 9 30 she's reviewing their footage tyler flexes on us real quick in her video becca goes after cookies but sees nana sleepwalking and projectile vomiting tuesday morning Tyler shows Nana the computer and how it works. Becca asks Pop-Pop about Nana as he does some farm work. He says it's just a stomach bug. Tyler and Becca play hide-and-seek under the porch. They're having a blast. Then we see Nana gallop at Becca. I wrote his creepy AF. Now Nana pursues Tyler. I'm going to get you, Becca, as she chases her one last time. Nana laughs as they get from under the porch. Chicken pot pie for dinner as she walks up the steps with her ass exposed. And then Tyler says, what the hell was that? Knock at the door, and it's a doctor from the uh, the hospital. Just there to check on them, but Becca says they just left for a walk. Tyler is going to investigate the shed. He says, is it dead bodies? He goes in after the coast is clear. It smells like ass in here, he says. <laughs> he, find, 
<laughs> he finds giant piles of dirty diapers. He runs out of the shed and falls on the snow. And Nana greets him there and tells him, Pop Pop is incontinent. Nana asks Tyler, are we okay? Is everything good? Pop Pop takes him to town. They play a car game. Now they visit their mom's high school. Pop Pop says someone is staring at them and then attacks the guy across the street out of nowhere. He says he saw her and they leave. And, and then Tyler and Becca just say, they just talk about how freaky that's, uh, <laughs> that experience was. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> I I actually I love Tyler and and you know that, that's a that's a little candy for the ladies scene with him flexing man I thought that was funny as hell um but you know this this reminded me a lot of signs and I'll say that a couple of times I think in this review but you know it reminds me of it and where it's it's stuff that you really don't pay much attention to you know like the germaphobe thing that really comes into play later um you know, a lot like the whole water, maybe not quite as much, but like the water and the swing away things and sign, you know, it's signs. It's definitely like it felt a little bit of a callback to that movie. And um, this really starts this really starts giving you that tension with that first night, you know, and Nana throwing up was creepy as hell. And and then the hide and seek game under the porch, all in broad daylight, mind you. Um, which I usually have a problem with, but the fact that it's very effective here is another example where, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that it would have worked as much if it's not found footage. Um, the shed, absolutely disgusting. They did a really good job of making you feel that. I mean, I, I, if it makes me grossed out to, to like, even just be like, I felt that I felt that. So I felt that was, that was very well done. Um, and, you know, and, and this film, it's very good at not giving away what's going on. Um, it has me intrigued at this point. And it's like what Dustin said earlier. It's, it's like, you know, there's something coming because you know, as an audience member that you're watching an M night Shyamalan film. So you're waiting, but nothing stands out. Like nothing isn't explained within the context of the movie. So you kind of, you know, kind of like a lot of his other movies, you know, I'll go back to signs again. You, you find yourself almost doubting and questioning yourself as an audience member. And I think that's freaking brilliant writing. Okay. So first of all, 930 bedtime, get the fuck out of here. Not listening to that at all. Um, so look, you're right, Brian. The, and my antenna goes up the minute I see Nana puking. And I don't even mean from a movie watching standpoint. I just meant if I'm in that house and that old lady projectile vomits, I'm getting the fuck out. I've seen the exorcist. I don't care where I'm going. I know I'm in the middle of nowhere PA, but I am getting the fuck out of there. Um, but as far as me watching the movie, you're right. They do a good job letting you know, something's going on without giving away what's going on. And I think that's really what, a lot of these scenes do the, the, the hide and seek is shot so well, but it's it. And you're right. The found footage, you know, the, the shakiness of the camera stuff, the, all that works really well in the daylight. And I think the fact that they're in the, you know, snow and stuff like that, I, I think really helps some of this stuff. Um, it, and you know, it, him finding the diapers, you're right. It, it's a gross ass scene and it takes again, a lot to gross me out. But you kind of like put yourself in that case, and it's just fucking gross, man. And you're not, re- and and again, a lot of the stuff is kind of logical. You can chalk it up to people just, you know, getting old. You know, she got overnight sick. Like he's crapping himself. Like a lot of this stuff could just kind of be excused away by age, like they try to do in the movie. So again, nothing. There's no big red herring or anything like that either, where you're like. 
you think it might be this, but it's really not that. So I really love these scenes. I think they do a good job of building anticipation for, you know, a twist is coming. Like you said, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, but these scenes do a really good job of, of, of not giving away the twist, you know, and dead meat kind of talked about it when him and, uh, when him and Chelsea reviewed this movie where I kind of wish the twist was the grandparents were just fucking with them this whole time. <laughs> that would have honestly made me fucking giggle. Uh, I know the twist that comes is, is better to me, but that would have really made me laugh. Like, ah, just fucking with you. We're old and we're smart. Uh, I, I would have liked that, but nope. I love this set of scenes. And again, I would have gotten the fuck out of that house way before they did. I don't care what age I was. Well, you talk about that, like Shyamalan cut this movie, he cut, he cut it into two. He cut one that was completely comedy and one that was completely horror and then ended up with something in between. So shit, that might have been that might have been what they did in the comedy. Just had it be a fucking, hey, we're fucking with you. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you said, it. you know, the thing about M. Night Shyamalan movies, like, you know, there's going to be a twist. I like how they use the 930 p.m threshold is kind of like okay this is when shit's gonna get weird but you still don't at this point know well what's weird what's going on and but i like how you know when she walks out and and nana's puking her guts out it's kind of like okay something's fucked up with the grandparents i don't know what it is yet i like all that now the scene under the house that was creepy as fuck like imagine you're just under the house playing tag or playing hide and seek with your brother, or whatever, and then you hear this creepy ass, hey, I'm gonna get you. Like, that's creepy as fuck. And so the fact that it was Nana, like, Nana just pops out, like, ha ha, dinner will be ready in a minute. That's creepy. I really like how <laughs> let, that, I, I like how that was written because it sets the tone for, I'm so confused with this household. I kind of want to go home. I wasn't even in. Uh, Pennsylvania at the time, but I wanted to come back to Tennessee. Like it was, it was fucked up the way they wrote that. And I, I really enjoyed it. Now the way that the way that Tyler, for everything that I said about Tyler that was disparaging in the last two scenes, Tyler in these two scenes was perfect. The way that he cussed was like a natural what thirteen year old kid just oh what the what the fuck is this? It smells like ass in here when he's in the in the in the shed. And he found the uh, the 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 pins that were all shit stained. I think that that was perfect writing as far as the script and the dialogue and the execution. Because put yourself in that situation as a thirteen year old kid, you find a bunch of adult diapers that are just defecated upon. Yeah, you're gonna be like, it smells like ass in here. I thought that was brilliant because they could have overdone it, they could have undersold it, and I thought they did it well. And that whole that scene was disgusting and it made me know that I'm going to hate whatever the twist is because like you said there's an M. Night Shyamalan twist coming but the shit stained diapers I'm going to hate it I hated the rest of it from here <laughs> alright the, the two kids they're in bed chilling then they hear the scratching noises outside of their bedroom door they open the door hesitantly and see Nana scratching the walls and she's butt naked Wednesday morning, Pop Pop tells Becca she has sundowning and is triggered by nightfall. <laughs> rule. Here's a new rule. Don't come out of your room after 9.30. Pop Pop is getting dressed for a costume party, but Becca says he must have something confused. Nana tells them that they made biscuits, but she got batter on the computer and tried to clean it off with cleaner. Becca tells Tyler about sundowning, but the only thing messed up on the computer is just the camera conveniently. 
Another Skype call with mom. Tyler is quiet, but tells mom grandparents are acting weird. She just tells she just tells them that they're old. Becca and Nana wash dishes, and she asks if she can ask her about her mom. And this is that iconic line from this movie, and it was in the trailer. This is the creepiest part of the movie that was in the trailer. Would you mind getting inside the oven to clean it? All the way in, Nana says. She gets dressed up for Becca's interview. She asks her questions like where she met Pop-Pop, then asks what happened when Mom left. Nana shakes violently and says no more questions. Tyler sets up a hidden camera to see what Nana is doing downstairs, but Becca puts a stop to it. All right, go ahead, Brian. That's what I have for the next two. Yeah, so the nail-scratching scene, I think Ed Oxenbold plays so well as as he keeps like repeating over and over that he's opening the door now becca he's opening the door now becca like that reminded me a lot of my my son who's about that age and plays like scared tough guy about the same exact way so and and i really could could see that in him so i know that's realistic acting and hats off to ed for that performance i think um by the way fan of the show real matt sears on twitter i know is one of them that has said this but if you have a fear of old naked people avoid this movie or you know what better yet go watch it i guess i don't know but uh that that was it reminded me a lot of it in that regard um again they do a good job i think of explaining the whole weird activity with the sundowning um which by the way was the original title for this movie, but it, it does a good idea of, of explaining that as just old people activity. Um, you know, they, they do a really good job of making you again, as an audience member, question your own thoughts during this movie, but then immediately like hitting you with shit, like with the tension that, that they give you, uh, like the, the Hanson and Gretel play with, with her getting in the oven and that famous line, um, it hits you with that tension, just boom, right after you, you're already questioning yourself. Um, What's fucked up for this movie, uh, what's fucked up about this movie for me is that Nana reminds me of my grandma, not the fact that she's crazy, not the fact she's crazy and she doesn't run around naked or anything like that and scratching up shit. But like when she's just normal. Like, Wait old, a minute, Brian. What the <laughs> now, wait just a minute here. Uh, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to explain it. I, I should have said started out with this part. But like when she's just when she's just normal old weird sweet Nana during the day, she reminds me. You know, even like looking a little bit like my grandma. So it gets it gets super weird for me on that level. So the whole fact that it's like you know they're already playing with like the uh, the awkwardness of like the grandkids and, and the stuff is happening with your grandparents. Um, that, that kind of, I took that on a little different, different level being that she even reminded me of her. Um, uh, it lastly, it, it did kind of piss me off that he stopped Tyler from setting up the camera, but I do understand it from like a plot perspective. It's like, it's like you, it's like you're trying to be smarter than the audience and you're like trying to answer the questions they know you know, that you're going to ask as an audience member, like, like when you say, don't go out there and they go out there, but they give a good reason as why they have to go out there. You see what I'm saying? See what I did there? But you see what I'm yeah. saying? Like, so, so I kind of, I kind of like that in films where they, they know you're going to hit them with that like horror movie trope question. So the writers like try to answer it before you, before you go there. Uh, that That's the kind of the way I, I took that. And uh, I, I like it when they do that stuff in movies. Don't go out there, duck on. <laughs> oh yeah so oh man what do i begin so i think that nana is just so much more creepy than pop pop at this point and i know that's probably intended um you know to kind of make you feel and 
again, not to just like harken back to everything that dead meat and them say, cause this is our show, but they made a good point. Like, I think that's intentional for what comes later with pop pop where you feel a little bit safer with him on the screen than you do Nana. Again, this is, you know, the line about, can you clean the oven dear, you know, and all that stuff that's in the trailer. And by the way, that's the trailer. The minute I saw that first trailer, I was in another movie and I saw that and I'm like, I have to see this fucking movie now. Like, this looks great. And then I, I remember seeing that it was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. I'm thinking, okay, we're getting some crazy ass twist. Hopefully it doesn't suck. Um, and it didn't disappoint. But anyway, you know, the costume party scene makes you feel. So to me, it was, he starts his tone and, and demeanor starts to change a little bit from old man with memory issues and maybe some dementia to a little more aggressive, a little more confrontational, even in the scene where he's going to the costume party. So something is up there. Um, and again, as much as I dislike the character of Tyler, him pointing him pointing all this stuff out, it it's done in a way that I think is good because, again, you can still dismiss some of this away as old people being old people if you really wanted to. Now, clearly he's saying, hey, all this is kind of starting to add up. Why did the cake batter or whatever land directly on the computer camera? That makes no fucking sense. And right. that's logical. Like I would probably think the same thing. And so again, I think the acting by the woman who plays Nana name is slipping me. is just really good in the scene where she's being interviewed and she shakes and all that stuff. I, I just think that's awesome. And sundowning is a real fucking thing, which I didn't know about till after I saw this movie. Um, so that's fun. I mean, not fun, but I mean, it's, Hey, something I did not know existed. That's a real mental disorder. So that's something I didn't know, but um, again, I, so far, so good, man. Like, at, there is a couple things that happen in the next set of scenes that kind of drags a little bit. But up to this point, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm all in. I, I have to know what is so, what is so wrong with these two grandparents. It can't, it can't just be that they're old fucks. I mean, that sounds really mean and dismissive. But <laughs> at this point, they're just two old fucks, and I want to know what, what, what more is going on here, and. I think the way it's being shot through the lens of Becca is something that I really like. Like I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but that like you're, you're Becca almost when you're behind the camera. Like it's like really, I like that first person, third person, whatever the correct terminology is there. I like that experience and, right. so, and so far so good. Yeah. So, so my thing is like, I really enjoy the sundowning explanation from pop pop because I feel like it's genuine. He explains it in a way that he's a little bit heartbroken by it because it's his wife. And at this point in the movie, you don't know what the hell is going on. So you're like, this is sad as hell that he's having to tell his grandkids that Nana's fucked up. And I really like the way that was delivered. Now from the rest of it, I kind of feel like the biscuit batter computer angle was undersold. Like the, the payoff wasn't there for me. She, she could have, I don't know, you know, the further we get in, you know, the mom can still see the camera. It's just not great quality. I feel like that could have been played up a little bit more. I, I wish that if Nana was going to fuck up that camera because she didn't want them to know what's going on, I wish she would have fucked up that camera. You know, like, I feel like that was a little undersold the same thing with the under the, or the, the oven explanation. Climb in there, get all the way in there. And then even later in the film, we get a, a scene where 
she wants Becca to get all the way in the oven and clean the back of it. And she closes the lid, but we still don't get that full payoff. She opened it back up, and that's a spoiler. We're jumping ahead. But at this point, I'm thinking, okay, later in the movie, she's going to try to cook this girl. And we don't really <laughs> get that. And so I feel like that was kind of undersold. But it is what it is. And then I do like the way that uh, Tyler was like, let's set up the camera, let's record it. But I don't like the way that Becca was like, no, we can't record them because of uh, uh, film integrity or, or artistic integrity or whatever she called it in the film. No. For, from my perspective as a horror film, I want them to be all about it. I want them to record Nana in the nighttime to where she's walking around sundowning and just acting an ass. I, I want to see that. So it may have been more realistic that she was trying to stifle his idea, but from a movie watching experience, it might've been better had she went along with his idea. So this is a, a, a mixed bag of scenes. It is what it is. I think that it could have been better, but it, it wasn't terrible. I think they left a lot undone here. Yeah, I actually think that it's it's kind of cool that it's a little different because it, it gives you blue balls twice trying to want her to right. maybe try to get cooked in the oven. And, uh, you know, that's classic M. Night Shyamalan just kind of trying to make you look here and over here and over here. It's like the Dennis Rodman clip here. Boom. Here. Yeah. Boom. Over here. Over here. Over here. <laughs> I can see that. Okay. All right, it's 10, 16 p.m., and they hear some thudding noises out of their door. Tyler opens the door, and they see Nana run back and forth past their room. And then we see her, she starts to crawl towards their room really fast, like underneath the porch. But they slam the door before she gets in there. Thursday morning, all four of them go on a hike outside. Tyler does his Nana running impression, and she catches him doing it. They walk up on Nana just staring into the well. Becca interviews Tyler now. He asks, She asks about their dad. He tells a story of his football moment. Eight years old. He's free safety. I flip my page. He completely whiffs on the tackle. He just freezes. And he, he says at the end, you know, dad walked off the field and he wasn't angry. And Becca questions if Tyler thought that's why dad left. The two go back to the well and only find water. Now she is being interviewed by Tyler. He asks why doesn't she look at herself in the mirror, then comments her sweater is inside out. It doesn't feel so good, does it? He asks her. He says, you think you're worthless, don't you? And now we see Becca later on. Becca cries into the camera. Dad, he gave me a card when he left. Tyler tells Becca they're hiding something in the basement, and he asks to set up the camera. Uh, go ahead, Brian. That's the next two scenes I got, brother. Okay, so this group of scenes, and Mike kind of touched on it a little bit just a minute ago, but to me, like these two scenes are the most disappointing and and let me explain why. So like Nana running by the door, it didn't get me personally, but, you know, running towards the door, crawling, I was actually more disappointed because I think that scene could have been done a little better or, you know, at least differently, because as, as we've seen that in so many movies, like hell, even uh, it chapter two one or, you know, of course, the ring or the grudge, like it just didn't have the intended effect, I think. And we've seen it done better in those movies so well over the years um and and this is the only the last thing i even have to written down about this is because like 
a lot of these interview scenes to me, like really slow the pacing down. And I realize it's a buildup and I understand how important it is for the finale with Tyler, especially freezing up. And, you know, it's almost like a, a calm before the storm of the third act. But I feel like that these character building scenes like this, you know, give us this backstory and help us to care about these two kids. This all should have been done, I think, at the beginning and not here. I mean, they're good scenes, so I don't think they should have been cut by any means. And, and the kids' acting is is great. It's fantastic. I can't say enough, like I said earlier, uh, about their acting in them. But I, I just feel like that these scenes are out of place, and it slows the whole pacing down. Like, we need to just be – we got some tension. We got them, we got them slowly kind of almost breaking down into madness a little bit, even though they're not. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's giving you a little bit gradually at a time, and then it's just like, boom, it's like – it's drugged to a halt with these two scenes because you got to get this backstory and this, which, like I said, all that stuff I think should have been done at the beginning. And, and I don't think that the audience would have forgotten it by the end of this movie, because I don't think it's long enough for you to, to have forgotten. And even if you did your second or third watching, you'd have gotten it. And I think it would have been just fine. Hey, hey Mike, before you go, I just want to touch on that. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I also listened to the dead meat podcast, Mike, and, you know, James was kind of in the same boat as you, Brian, about the interviews being kind of slowing it down. Um, yeah. Personally, I like them where they are because it gives the characters, it it, it, it gives them more depth because they're there. The kids are there to help their mom find p- peace and closure with the parents. You know what I'm saying? Get the elixir. But you kind of, you, you get, you get, you get to go into the, the mindset of, a young teenager and a young boy who are actually dealing with their, you know, their emotional pain from their dad leaving. And I, I, you know, I personally, I mean, my parents are divorced. I'm not scarred by it, but you know, I can under, I understand where they're coming from, especially, you know, you know, you see Becca cry and you see Tyler, you know, when he's interviewing, he's like, it doesn't feel so good. Does it? It hurts. You know, you know, if you, you know, you kind of, you feel for the kids and I, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, debate how you feel or nothing. I'm just saying I like that part personally. No, and no, I completely agree with you. I think that this movie has to have these scenes. Like you need yeah, them. Yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree with you. I just don't like where they're at. I no, just think they should have been at the beginning of the movie. Instead no, of here. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you on that, but I, I, I'm fine with where it's at because I personally think that, you know, they're going for their mom, but the more we watch, they're actually going for themselves too, kind of in, in a way, but I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem with where it's at. But go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's great. Hey, I mean, let's throw my two cents in because that's really all I have on this set of scenes is exactly what you guys just talked about. I like the scenes. I think they add character development and depth. But Yes. And and I think they're needed. I agree with Brian, though. I, I would have maybe slanted them more towards the front, maybe before we get to Nan, a Nana and Pop-Ops or even a little bit after, you know, why things are still kind of slow and moving along a little bit. At this point, we've already seen some really crazy shit. We've seen a room full of diapers and, and you know, Nana throwing up and all that. And I know you need to come down before this big come up. But again, I'm fine with the dialogue in the scenes. I'm fine with, you know, the acting. I think all of that is great as far as adding depth to these two, you know, young people that are clearly going through some serious stuff. I have no issue with that. I think it makes them relatable. I, I like all that. I just would have probably put it in a different place because at this point, we're on the come up. We're... You know, we're on a roller coaster, and I just don't see the point of of taking a dip there. But again, that's kind of a nitpick because it's not that I don't like the scenes. I just 
they don't do anything for me where they're placed. Um, I I kind of wish that um, – almost wish that, like, we could have gotten, like, a – and this is only on this last watch that I thought this. With the basement, almost wish that we could have got, like, uh, like, at least one good false basement run in to where we almost see something earlier in the movie. And, you know, Pop-Pop kind of puts the kibosh on that. I feel like it would have made the basement a little more important as it as it comes later. But I know what they're doing there, so it's fine. But that was just a small nitpick. But that, that's really all I have on these scenes is I think they're well acted and well shot and stuff, but I would have probably put them somewhere else. So, so my perspective actually differs because I think if you put these scenes anywhere else, it falls into the stereotypical horror movie trope, right? So putting them here makes it feel more authentic as far as found footage. And what I mean by that is as someone who's 32 years old, whose parents divorced when I was a freshman going into my sophomore year of high school, so 14, 15 years old, I know that these waves of emotions and these waves of what if and these waves of what happened with my parents' marriage, they hit you whenever you least expect it. It's not convenient for you. So the fact that they filmed these right here and they put these in the film right here to me feels more authentic because that's how my life operates. You know, what I mean by that is they're with their grandparents and they're filming blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden what happened with mom and dad? And that feels real to me because that's how my brain seems to operate. I will be operating at at a normal pace. And then all of a sudden, you know, how could I have fixed my parents' marriage? And that's what I feel like Tyler was doing here when they're talking about that. And he's like, you know, I missed the tackle, blah, blah, blah. I've been there, bro. Like this to me is the most authentic part of the movie because as someone that comes from a broken home whose parents' marriage didn't work out, you always blame yourself in my experience. No one else. I'm speaking for myself. I blame myself. What could I have done different? And the fact that he looked back on this football game, like, had I done this, blah, blah. Like, I actually, this is probably my favorite scene in the movie just because of the authenticity. And I can actually really respect that. And I think that he acted his ass off. He delivered it perfectly, as did Becca. As when he turned the camera around her and be like, why don't you look yourself in the mirror? Like, that shit hurted. That shit hurted. Like, that's that, that's real shit right there. Yeah, absolutely. He's asking her, you don't value yourself because our parents' marriage felt, or failed. And I can respect, like, to me, this sets up the finale even more because by this point, when you're watching that, if you can relate, if you can't relate, then okay, I get it. But if you can't relate at all to what either of these kids are feeling, then you're vulnerable right here. And that's what you need for a finality of a movie is vulnerability. And the fact that you're watching this and you're like, he just tore her down, but she just kind of tore him down. So now you're both sad together and not expecting what's going to happen in the next two scenes. This is a perfect, uh, this is like when you're playing volleyball and you got a set and a spike. This is the set right here for the spike of the finale. 
I think this was a brilliantly done uh, penultimate scenes for the movie. You know, I, I could see that. I, I can see definitely where you and uh, Nico are coming from for sure, especially with the whole character development part of the kids realizing it later in the movie. So, I mean, I can, I can see that for sure. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm with you, Dustin. I didn't. I wouldn't want to see their emotional breakdown right at the beginning. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because like, how often do we watch movies and then at the first five to ten minutes of the movie – we get that this person's broken, this person's been through a hard time, blah, blah, blah. This movie kind of let us go, let us along this, we're, we're what, 70 minutes into the movie at this point, and we don't really know what's going on with these kids. Yeah, We, we know that the father's not there, but we don't really know, so there's no connectivity. That's why, I, that's one of my favorite parts about this movie, is how... We see these kids, they're the main characters, but we don't really have that connectivity. We don't really relate to them until it's almost time for us to feel their pain. And I respect that. Oh, yeah. All right. Stacy, a former patient, uh, she stops by the house and she brings a cobbler. She was supposed to get a visit on Saturday, but the parent, the grandparents never showed up. Tyler gets scared by Becca with, you know, she jumps out of the closet at him. And Becca finds Nana in her rocking chair laughing real creepily, rocking back and forth. She stops when Becca touches her on the shoulder. Then she starts to smother herself with her shawl, and then Becca stops her. She runs to the barn after Pop-Pop, and he has a gun in his mouth. I'm just cleaning it. She tells Tyler they're putting the camera out tonight. Nana and Pop-Pop ask if they're okay as they go to bed. Tyler complains about how nasty his hands are because he touched the toilet and couldn't find his any tissues. Becca finds him some and cleans him up. Downstairs, we see Nana walking, slamming doors, and then we get a really, really effective jump scare as she grabs the camera and she, like, you know, roars at it. She carries it upstairs. She carries it and she grabs a knife. Then she goes upstairs and puts the camera down, and she goes to the kid's room and tries to open the door. Friday morning. The kids watch the tape. Becca says we're ending this trip tonight and avoid them at all costs. Now they're outside playing, trying to look normal. She asks Pop-Pop about an interview. He talks about his time at the factory and says he looks, you know, really sad because it's their last day with their grandkids. She says mom can't get over what happened. Tyler says grandma is Michael Myers that night. They see Stacy outside talking to Nana and Pop Pop. Becca cleans the camera up and Tyler mentions they never saw Stacy leave. Nana agrees to an interview. She tells of her dream of creatures in a pond. When people go underwater, they go into a deep sleep. She says it's a made up story. Becca asks her about her mom. Nana starts to hit herself. Then Becca changes the subject. And she brings up her mother's story, but in a hypothetical way. Nana says she doesn't like the story, but says that she would forgive her. The two rewatch the interview, then go back outside to play. They get back in and Skype with mom. Becca says, come get us now. Something is wrong with Nana and Pop-Pop. They show their mom their grandparents outside. And mom tells them to listen. And this is the the plot twist of the movie. Those aren't your grandparents. You've been staying with those people the whole time. She calls the police, but no answer. She gets in the car and heads there. Pop 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 says, "Let's play board games tonight." And Nana asks Becca if she'll help clean up again. And the next two scenes I have are the ending. Brian, tell me what you thought when you saw that plot twist, brother. I, I, I love the I love the plot plot twist uh, personally. Um, hey, you Brian, know, I, I get I get chill bumps even though I've seen the movie. 10 times I get chill bumps every time. Heck, I even got chill bumps for a second when I read 
that those aren't your grandparents. Like that's to me, that's such a good plot twist. <laughs> Catherine Hahn does such a great job delivering that line. I love it. It's just so simple, like nothing dramatic or anything. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, and and you even think that that's not the twist because Shalomai hits you with the. It's kind of the deflection with you get with the aliens at first. You're like, wait a minute, is this? Are they fucking aliens at first? And then, yes. you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's still tied in with the psych patients, but I really like how he just, he steers you different ways because he knows, you know, you're waiting for the twist. And, uh, I, yeah, I love that. Um, obviously, this is where everything kind of starts to really take a dark turn, you know, with the whole gun and the pop, pop, nana and the handkerchief thing. And if you had any doubts, this is where they kind of start to go away and, you know, okay, there's definitely some fucked up shit going on here. Um, also, you get the kind of not-so-subtle reminder about Tyler and his germophobia, which is another, I think, kind of alternate thing because you think, I thought the whole time anyway, that it was going to really come back to play, especially that they brought it up again, you know, in, in classic, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, like, water callback from the signs, you know, in classic his fashion. Um, I, I thought for sure that was coming back, and it really didn't come into play, come back into play as, as much as I thought. Um uh, you you definitely get paranormal activity vibes, you know, with the whole grandma and the camera thing. But again, I don't think it was effective as paranormal activity. And, and it's a little different, I guess, in my mind when it's, you know, I guess it's just what, what maybe bothers you. But, you know, it's it, it's a little different when it's a demon versus an old person kind of doing the thing. But but ha- you know, having her grab the knife and, you know, and then it like cuts to you being in the room. I, I honestly, I, I think it would have been a little bit more effective had you just kind of like stayed with the, with the grandma's camera there. Um, I don't know, just something I was thinking about while I was watching it. Um, plus there's, once you know the twist, there's so much damn tension the second time she gets in the oven. And, and, you know, especially after knowing that twist, um, yes. you know, a, a, a little, a little nitpick though. I think it, the the kids make some dumbass decisions i think moving forward here um and this is one of them where i think normal kids at this point would have either like run completely just hey let's take off let's get out of here run to maybe the police station or whatever or definitely armed themselves with with something with a hammer with a knife all the stuff that's that's around them you know they're not really being held hostage so i i think that that's something that I know doesn't really further your story and you need that to not happen. But I think kind of in real life situation that that, that would have happened, I think um, at that point, Um, you know, and lastly, look, this is one of M Knight's films where like, and I personally think that this about like all those movies that, that I've seen. Um, But after, even after, you know, the twist, you can now go back and rewatch it and you kind of pick up on on more stuff and all these things he's he's laid out and he's got like very good MacGuffins that still work even yeah. when you even when you know what's going on. It's like, you know, like I said, it's like some of his older films where you're still you're still entertained even when you know what's going on, sometimes even more so. And I think because you're not so focused on what's the twist, what's the twist, you're actually paying attention to to more stuff that he's laid out for you. And I think that's a testament to it being just a really good story. And if you still want to go see it, even when you know what's going to happen in a movie with a twist like this, I think that 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 speaks very highly to how good of a, a good story and a very good film it is. 
Yeah, you something you mentioned. Once you know the twist and you go back for a rewatch, the the uh you know, the guy that that works at the mental hospital or whatever stopping by, not you know, the grandparents just not being there by accident, that makes more sense. Stacy stopping by with the cobbler, all that makes like it makes it inherently more creepy to me. Like upon a rewatch, you're like, oh God, that these poor people. Uh, cause apparently, you know, these were good, you know, uh, the real grandparents are good people. And, and, you know, g- g- going into a rewatch, these people are, are fucking out there. Um, so all I really have on these scenes and look, I like a lot of the stuff in the rocking chair and pop, pop in the gun. And, you know, again, we're picking up the, the tension. We're picking up the creepy factor of these two old people, but I, re- I I'll say it again. I love this twist. I think this twist is so well done. It's well, the minute that Catherine Hahn says, you've been staying with those people all this time, that fucking gets me every time. Nico, when you read it, I had a little bit of a chill, man, because that, if you can put yourself in that place where I, we've been staying with strangers for a fucking week and shit diapers and, and you know, all this other, you know, Nana's ass and everything else that happens like this is not okay, man. Like, and I just love that part and the board games scene and all that is, it's so, it's so well done and it's about to get even crazier, but you know, the, you know, we know the twist now. So their interaction with the, with Nana and pop pop are, are, are so much more intensified. Like, like my, my, my creepy level has gone up. And I, you know, I'm all in. I want to find out what the hell happens. And Brian makes a good point. These kids do make some dumbass decisions, like deciding to interview them. That was dumb. Like, like, what are we doing? Like, I would have just stayed clear until my mom got there like that. But again, I get what I kind of get what they're trying to do. It's just not something I would have done, I guess. But again, job well done on, on this collection of scenes, man. Like, you know, and I, and going back to the last set, I kind of see why, that's there as the come down, the emotional come down to the big, you know, scary movie pickup that happens here. And you get the plot twist, which again, you know, going into an in Night Shyamalan movie, you're going to get one. And I think this yeah. one pays off so good to me. It is not what I saw coming the first time I watched it. Not even close to what I thought. I, I don't know what I thought, but it certainly wasn't staying with strangers. Yeah, so when I first watched this movie, like I said, it was just a couple of days ago. I'm thinking, where's the aliens, right? So, but my thing is, okay, we know something's fucked up with the with the grandparents because shit's too normal. They're a little weird, but we don't really know what it is. And then when you see Nana rocking, facing the wall, when they said she's watching TV and she's just laughing her ass off, facing a wall. Okay, something's wrong with her. But we heard earlier she's sundowning, blah, blah. And then when uh, Tyler walks in, or it may have been Becca, that walked into the uh, the barn and he's got the gun in his mouth. They're like, okay, these two people are fucked up. What's going on with them, though? So we know what the swerve is going to be. It involves the grandparents, but we don't know. And that's the brilliance of M. Not Shyamalan to me. I think he's a great writer. Yeah. I think he's a great writer. I may not agree with all of his uh, screenplay decisions as far as the script goes, because some things seem uh, disingenuine and some things seem forced. But overall, I think he is a great writer. He knows how to 
build suspense, and then confuse the hell out of you and shock you with the with the twist. He's one of the best, in my opinion. My personal opinion. I love in my Shyamalan. So when we're watching this and we see that the grandparents are going to be involved in the twist somehow, and we don't really know. I I have trade offs as far as the actual twist. First of all, I like the fact that they they built it to where, okay, these people they killed the actual grandparents. They're down in that like trash compactor apartment of the the basement. Like, okay, that's fine, that's fine. They killed the base. The, they killed the real grandparents. They're down there. the The hammer's down there. I like the fact that she found the hammer. Blah blah. blah. But however, I have to say that despite how involved Catherine Hahn seemed to be up to this point, I personally, from my personal experience, have have a hard time believing that you know you're gonna let your kids be at your grandparents quote unparent quote unquote your parents' house for a week. And you're just with video chat capability, and you're just now seeing what they look like, regardless of what your past relationship would have been like. Because it, it was kind of, you know, the groundwork was laid. She didn't really fuck with her parents, and I understand that. But I have a hard time believing that in the whole time that they've been there, she wouldn't have been like, let me see them. And so by the time they turned the camera, be like, there they are, they're outside, they're acting weird. The twist to me was is very well done, but from a logi- uh, logistical standpoint, she should have been like, who were these assholes three or four days earlier, in my opinion? But that being said, it was still very well done. I It was creepy as hell. From that point on, this movie got eerie. The fact that Nana was wanting her to get in the back of the oven, which the first time she said that, I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't know what's going on with Nana, but don't get in the back of the oven. And now that you know that's not really Nana, and she's saying, get in the back of the oven, I'm saying, no, don't do it. And then the fact (laughs) that she closed the oven door, if I'm Tyler and I'm this street rapper from the suburbs, I'm busting gas on other asses. No, you're not going to put my sister in the oven. You know, I, I'm going to pull some some of the hardest suburban raps you ever heard. Ho. So, <laughs> ho. <laughs> Katy Perry. Taylor Swift. Anyway, um, I didn't really, you know, just just that just that standpoint of how she willingly climbed all the way in the oven, despite the fact that she knew that's not her nana. And the fact that Tyler let her climb all the way in the oven and then let Nana close the door knowing that's not really Nana. That to me, that's a little suspect. But at the same time, you also have to realize these kids are what? 11, 12, 13, 14 years old at best. So maybe, maybe that gullibility factor is there because as a adolescent, I think that I speak for everyone saying that I made some subpar decisions so maybe they were maybe they were acting right i don't know but to me i probably would have done that but in hindsight it's 2020 right so the thing and and like you said mike when you watch this movie back the hints are there 
is, and, and that's the brilliant thing about M. Night Shyamalan movies. Absolutely. He'll, he'll always tell you, what's up? But until you understand it fully, he's not going to tell you the grand picture. And that's why I said just a few minutes ago, I think he's one of the uh, he's one of my favorite writers. He really is. I swear on everything. That man knows how to paint a grand a, a grand scheme, a grand uh, a, a main picture without giving it all away in one scope. And I really like him, not Shyamalan, the way that he did this. When you watch these last few scenes and then you rewatch it all back, it's beautiful. But it also is like, you son of a gun. So the writing's there. The acting is there. It's just, to me, the, the one thing that was lacking was the lack of execution from previous storylines. The oven thing, the, the, the sundown. Like, I feel like it could have been one of the kids should have died. If, if you want to be honest with you. The one thing that was missing was one of the kids dying because if that had happened, I would have been all in and I would have believed it a lot more. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I would have wanted to see that, oh, I um, but I, I, I did. Yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't have wanted to see it, but I think that it would have driven home the credibility to the plot twist had they got away with killing at least one of them. Yeah, I wanted to speak one more time to to M Night Shyamalan, and you talked about going back and rewatching it. I mean, also this one, I felt like I feel like he's very aware of the fact that you know a twist is coming, and I feel like in this one more than other ones, there was a lot more red herrings, like the like the well that really you thought was going to really have something to play into it, but it never did, and like the um the the aliens like at first like you're like oh shit like you know i feel like that there was a lot more kind of him trying to steer you one way or the other um i think a lot more than than other films that that i that i can remember anyway and and you're right and i think you're absolutely right dustin when you're talking about the kids especially i think they painted themselves in a corner like he wrote himself into a corner because i think he made the kids overly smart kind of like i talked about at the very beginning mm-hmm. and so if they're that smart then these decisions don't really go with what they really should be doing in my opinion either so yeah i completely agree with you there yeah i'm with you dustin that's what i was talking about the major plot hole is why in god's name would you send your kids off and not show them what their grandparents look like like well, i mean well well right. well in, in her defense in her you know, defense, like she did tell that big story about her leaving and you know, she might have not ever had a picture ever again. She never went but, back. But they had I mean, a, they had the profile on the website. Yeah. Well, I and, mean, it just and, it just said that you, he they contacted her via email. I mean, old people. My grandma's okay. got an email, but I promise you, you couldn't go find a picture of her. So, I mean, that's a little no, bit no, no. explainable. No, no. What you said, they, they never had a picture ever again, but. If you were to show me a picture of my grandparents, either one of the four from the past 30 years, I could age progression in my mind be like, okay, that's the same person. These people didn't look the same at all. So like well, when, I mean, when when she picked the when she picked the picture up down there in the basement, I was like, these motherfuckers ain't the same people. So like that's that's bad parenting in my my opinion. Well, I mean, she even makes the comment that, oh, we even have the same eyes. Like she, in her mind, was already creating similarities between the two that obviously weren't there because they're really not related. I mean, and I, I mean, that's why I think that's the one thing that, that I can, I mean, I can, 
I can uh, suspend belief a little bit because, you know, he did try to at least explain the fact of why she the only thing that that I don't get is that she I, it was it just via email because I felt like she had a phone conversation with her real with the real parents at some point beforehand. And maybe I, maybe I put together the phone conversation. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it was just strictly email, which is stupid. I mean, you, you need to have a phone conversation with it before you send your kids over there. But like the way that they talked about how excited the grandparents were and came to the psych facility excited, like, Hey, my granddaughters and grand, they're coming and blah, 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 blah. And built up the whole thing, which is why, the psych patients killed him in the first place and kind of wanted, wanted to take that over. Like I felt like they had a phone conversation or, or some sort of thing was, was, was buried the hatchet. But yet later in the movie, she's like, how are they? Oh, I never mind. I don't want to know. And I felt like if they would have buried the hatchet, she wouldn't have been like that. So that is a little bit of a, a plot point, even though I try to explain it away with the picture thing. I mean, there is, there is some suspension of belief, I think. But, I mean, even if you think about it, it's 2015, this movie comes out. I mean, are you really going to send your kids who are this young on a train by themselves, not knowing who they're looking for? And it kind of reminded oh. me of, like, child. Oh, no. It kind of reminded me of child's play when, you know, Andy's just riding oh, the yes. train all around. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if Becky's oh, not even old enough to drive, are we really going to send them out like that? Like, no way. Oh, it's terrible parenting. There's no doubt about that. There's terrible parenting choices made. All right, fellas, this is the last two scenes. Evening now. Becca and Nana are doing dishes. She asks Becca to help clean the oven again. She closes the door on her this time briefly, but reopens it after cleaning the top of the oven door. Pop Pop breaks out the Yahtzee board, and Nana laughs creepily. Becca says she and Tyler are going out for outside for one last interview, but Pop Pop slams the door as they see Stacy, or they, I won't say Stacy, they see a body hanging from the tree. Young versus old in Yahtzee. Becca gets technical about who made the game. Becca walks off to get a new battery for a camera. We hear Pop Pop poop his pants, and then Nana, she starts eating the cookies real rapidly and then yells, Yahtzee, into the camera. <laughs> hey, you can't say poop around here? <laughs> no, I don't know. That part to me is just, I laugh my ass off at that part. Go ahead. No, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I'll laugh when I watch the movie, and but just yes. hearing Nico say, Pop Pop pooped his pants like that. <laughs> That's a lot of popping peas, fam. Hey, popping uh, pants. Hey, spaghetti, <laughs> spaghetti death house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Nana. She starts eating the cookies real fast, rapidly, real creepily, and then she like rolls the dice and yells Yahtzee into the camera. Becky goes into the basement looking for real Nana and Pop Pop. He takes Nana to her room as she pretends to hang herself. Becky finds pics of her real Nana and Pop Pop in their uniforms. She then finds their bodies and a bloody hammer. Pop Pop shows up and tells Becca Nana put her kids in the bottom of the lake in suitcases. He chases her through the basement. Now we see Tyler. He's on the ground with like a like a hit mark on his head. And Pop Pop drags Becca upstairs and locks her in the room with Nana. Pop Pop pulls his pants off and takes off his diaper. Becca cries for help in the room. I never liked you, Pop Pop tells Tyler. We hear groans in the room. Becca walks around as Nana creeps behind her. Nana crawls under the bed. She teases Becca with growls and reaches over the side of the bed, grabbing on the, the comforter. Pop-Pop grabs the diaper and shoves it in his face. 
you have a problem with germs, don't you? I think anybody would have a problem getting a shit diaper shoved in their face, though. Nana God, rips, man, this scene is disgusting. Yeah. Nana rips the blanket off the bed. She crawls towards her under the sheets. Becca faces the mirror with the camera pointing at it. Nana slams her into it, breaking the mirror. Becca grabs a, a, a big piece of the glass and kills Nana on the bed after a struggle. Papa, he, you know, he spews some gibberish into the camera and sits it down on the counter. Then Becca breaks out the room and jumps on his back. He knocks her to the ground, and then Tyler, free safety, tackles him into the counter and yells football techniques and crushes his head over and over in the refrigerator door. And I love this part. He yells, any other crazy bitch-ass fucking people here? <laughs> and they run outside to see people. They run outside to see the police pull up, and their mom runs to them with hugs and kisses. Now it's back at their house. Becca interviews her mom now, says she used to sing. The day she left her parents, her parents cursed her, and she hit her mother, and then her dad hit her. They were both shocked, and she refused their calls after them reaching out to her. Becca hugs her crying mother. She tells Becca not to hold on to anger and hugs her again. Then we get flashbacks of the dads, you know, the dad with their kids when they were younger. And now we see T Diamond Styles drop another hot rap as the end credits roll. That's the last two scenes I got. Go ahead, Brian. There's a lot there. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I don't have a ton, though. I just, I think, you know, I'm laughing. It's a testament because, I mean, it, this third act of this film is so weird because it's like, how many times can you say you laugh your ass off and yet are truly suspense? You know, like you're feeling, you're feeling the suspense of the film, um, especially in the final act. And and I think that this one like really accomplishes that, which to me makes it a very unique movie in that regard. Like like usually if you're laughing in a horror film, it's for the wrong reasons or it's just funny and not really scary. And I think that this kind of helps both. I mean, maybe not scary, but it has the tension at least. I mean, like the that Yahtzee game and it, with Nana and Pop Pop like shitting himself and and that line with with uh, Tyler that you just said was well, he more bitch ass I mean that shit was funny like I legitimately laughed out loud on that stuff but you know like these are this is what I was talking about where there are some like dumbass choices these kids are making now at this point like especially Becca like come on you don't leave your brother up there alone with all this shit's going on plus like. Like I said, again, they should they should be arming themselves at this point with something. And and honestly, I think that they I think that they could beat their asses, which to me is probably why they didn't do that, because it's believable that they they needed that tension. You know, so but I mean, why it works to build the tension here at the end, it's like it's frustrating as hell to me as an audience member that they don't really do anything. And both of them just fucking like standing there like Tyler. I get it because of his freezing up story, which, by the way, Tyler getting that diaper shoved in his face made me want to throw the hell up. Oh. And I almost I almost said that earlier, like when he was in the uh, the storage shed and I said, like, how how gross that was. Like, those are the two that these are the two scenes that like I really felt like fucking grossed out with that. Like that made me like, oh, God. And. You know that that's a testament to the to the good writing, um, you know. And thankfully, as far as they're arming themselves, thankfully Becca steps up with the scissors. But but to me, like it's a little too damn late. Like they should have never gotten to that point. Um, and I really liked how they kind of ended it with Tyler, you know, tackling them two or three times. I thought that was good. Um, but all right, so the ending, I have a I have a big. Well, let's let me back up. Whenever Pop Pop pulls his pants off, and then it cuts 
to like uh, to Becca in the room, you're like stuck there for a while. In my mind, I'm not even really paying attention to what Becca's doing. I'm like, what the fuck is about to happen to Ty? Is he going to rape him? Like, what the fuck is he taking his right. pants off for? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, very creepy. So, so that's very that that definitely gives you it, it lets your mind like go wild right there. Um, but anyway, to the ending, like this is, I would have changed this. Um, I think that it would have added to the story. Honestly, don't have them take the camera with them when they run outside and run to the mom and the police station. I think if you just like had the camera still just sitting there where it was and you had the police and the mom bust in the house and have them off screen where all you're doing is just like watching a still frame, but you're listening to their interactions and you're listening to, to, to that. I think that would have been stronger and I think it would have been more effective. Um, honestly, that's where it should have ended too. I mean, not the interview. I get it. I mean, and, and you had the music and everything, but I, and I get it. You want to have the sentimental stuff and the showing the dad stuff and the forgiveness in there, which, which was nice. And I like that, but I would have ended the scene or I would have ended the movie. Like I just said, like when they bust in the house and you can kind of hear, hear the ending. And, and I think that's where I would have ended it right there. Yeah, I agree with that, by the way, I, the ending kind of fell flat. And again, you get the emotional part of it and I, and I understand all that, but I, I agree with you on that. As far as this whole ending sequence, you are spot on, Brian. And we've disagreed a little bit in the last couple of weeks or whatever, but we're back to how things used to be around here. Where we're, we're neck and neck here, man. Like, this, this stuff is fucking funny, but also scary if you can put yourself in that situation. Like, right. and it's growth where the diaper over the face, and the first time I ever saw it, it was a, you know, just because I was drunk in a movie theater, so that didn't go over so well. <laughs> um, but again, d- just that, like, that whole, the, this whole ending sequence, I think is done really well. Uh, I think Nana, uh, Nana and Pop-Pop are fucking creepy here. Uh, I'm, again, I'm laughing, but I'm terrified. I'll, I'm also laughing because I'm terrified. And I think that that really helps. Like I said, this movie's hilarious, but it's also scary. And this uh, last couple, you know, the last, 15 minutes or so really hits that home. And again, I like, I like the, the earlier scenes where we were, I was talking about the football store because it does play into the end. And I like that we get that closure of that story for him. And, you know, it's actually, again, laugh out loud, funny when he's, you know, he, <laughs> he's saying wrap up with the arms and all that stuff, you know, as, yeah. as a football guy, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how you know, uh, a, a nice little football tackle there, Tyler. Okay. buddy. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, you know, just, just a lot of good stuff here. A lot of scary stuff. Um, you know, like you said, when Bob, I take his pants off, why the fuck are your pants off? Is this, <laughs> yeah. I say it every time. And again, I think, um, uh, I do agree with you. I probably would have done a, a little bit of a different ending, but it's kind of hard to complain. Cause I did want to know what the hell happened the day the mom left. Like I, you know, that. Right. that question was still out there. So at least it was answered for us. I could have done without the last two diamond styles rap though. That was, I don't know something about that. It's cause I don't like tower the character, I guess. <laughs> no way. It's great. Hey, hey Mike, the, the only problem I think with the ending when they're, when the mom's telling the story is like, so you didn't talk to your parents for 15 years. Cause your dad hit you after you hit the mom first. <laughs> right. It's like, right. 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 It's like someone's being a little petty crocker, but go ahead, Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> petty Kruger for sure. Yeah. yeah. A, a little Richard Petty, number 43. <laughs> so 
the thing the thing about it is is like the Yahtzee scene I think was perfectly written because you want to talk about tenacity and just I'm on the edge of my seat like what's gonna happen next when they're playing Yahtzee I was tense I was drawn up I was like I don't know what's gonna happen but I don't want it to happen because I know what should happen and that was the that was the the Yahtzee scene to me because Becca was kind of antagonizing Pop Pop and Tyler saying, what are you, you know, he was basically saying, what are you doing? Just like go along with this. That's how I felt. Why are you telling him that it was a Milton Bradley or slash Parker Brothers thing? Like, no, let him have this. We're trying to live. And that, that was that to me that added to it because that was that cocky teenager thing. Like she knew she was right. She knew what she needed to do but in order for them to live. But at the same time, her pride couldn't let her just let him make that error. And I appreciated that. I, I thought that was brilliant uh, brilliant writing. Sorry. And then as far as when they get further on and, you know, Tyler's in the kitchen. He's knocked down. Pop-Pop takes his pants off. What? I, the first time I watched this, like, Oh goddamn! Like we we about to see a fucking child rape going on. I don't want to see this. I'm turning right. it off. Right. And I kind of feel like that was undone. I don't want to see that happen. Don't get me wrong. But when the camera flashes back, his pants are back on, and so I feel like that could have been they could have done more to intensify that or leave it out. Either way is fine with me. But the way they did it was kind of misplaced for me in a way. Um, as far as, as far as Tyler getting pop pop, it was just kind of the same way. Like I fuck with his football analogies and him saying, wrap up, you gotta, you know, drive through blah, blah, blah. I like that terminology and everything used, but I hate how the camera was placed. Maybe this is the, uh, the sadistic side in me, but this is a horror movie podcast. I would like to see some gore right there. The way the camera was placed, if they would have placed it just, you know, 18 inches to the left, we would have been able to see his head getting smashed by the, by the refrigerator door. And I think that would have been more, more, uh, more effective. The same thing with Becca's kill. When, when Nana's attacking her in the bed and she smashes the mirror and she's got the, the shard of glass I would have liked to see more. May, like I said, maybe that's me being sadistic. Uh, me, me being sadistic, but I would have liked to have seen something there because of all this. Pay- and I know that's not in Matt Shyamalan's style because I've seen his movies before. But I could have used a little bit more. They weren't bad. They were still effective. They were still positives in my mind. But I could have used more. Um, so, Dustin, you're saying you had a fever and the only cure. <laughs> God damn it. Actually, 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 Brian, what I'm saying is I could have used with M. Night Shyamalan writing 120 minutes of the movie and Rob Zombie writing the last 14. So, anyway. Oh, man. Um, Sorry. I brought see tell, me I'm wrong. tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. This I movie was is 134 minutes. God. No, 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 no. This movie is 134 minutes. Tell me I'm wrong that if Rob Zombie wrote the last 14, you wouldn't have enjoyed it more because it would have got more gore. I would not have enjoyed Just it. Just the more. last 14. 
I was just All trying right, to get more cowbell. I'm just kidding. Man. I'm just kidding. I like Rob. All right, Mike, when I see you square up. So anyway. Hey, um, you can't rate it e, pal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, the, the last thing that I'll say is I, I completely agree with what you said earlier. I wish the film would have ended right there. When the cameras in the room, either one of the rooms, the kitchen or the bedroom, and we see the the killer, or we don't see it, but we hear it and we 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 infer that the kill happened of Nana or Pop Pop or Claire or whatever that crazy old coot's name was, the fake grandparents. We we know that kill happened, but we don't actually see it. And then they leave the camera there, but we hear the sirens. That would have been a perfect ending. Yes. They run outside. Oh, mom, I'm so glad to see you. Blah, blah, blah happened. I'm so much better for this. Blah, blah, blah. Instead, we get this bullshit-ass rap scene with <laughs> oh, man. Not, so, not so slim shady in the room, rapping like, rapping like he's Bean slash Ed. And it's just, it's just, it's just not, it's not good. It's not good. He is not a good rapper. <laughs> he tried to call himself, yeah, you know, Tyler the Creator. That's who people say I sound like. No, Tyler the Creator is platinum. You, my friend, are Caucasian. There's no difference in, <laughs> like, there's no comparison. It was bad. That no last way. scene, I could have done. I would have rather had the uh, the the end credits just been like cold thrown to us, no explanation. Here's who was in the movie, but instead we get this whack ass rap scene with not so slim shady slash beans from Even Stevens. I didn't yeah, like it. Very beans it from Even Stevens. Haters. The worst oh, ending. Oh, oh, oh. No way. No way. I've got a fever, and the only cure is more Tyler raps, baby. No, I mean, no, no, I'm no. Loving, Let me I'm just tell you, oh, John Cena. <laughs> The wrestler is a significantly better rapper than Tyler. Thanks. I will actually agree to that. <laughs> uh, before we move on to uh, fun facts, I just wanted to touch on one thing. I I I, I was with you, Dust, on the other part, but I'm kind of glad we didn't get more gore. I thought it was really effective just when Becca stabbed her with the, the glass, and you saw like her blood like go into her mouth and on her face. I thought that was I thought that was sufficient. Um, y'all ready to jump into fun facts? All right, uh, does anybody want to go first? I can. It doesn't matter. You can. All right, this is M. Night's lowest-budgeted studio feature film. These are all from IMDb. And I got two funny uh, YouTube comments that I love. Uh, Director M. Night Shyamalan used his fee from his science fiction adventure movie, After Earth, from 2013 to self-produce this film. In his own words, this was an attempt to regain artistic control after his recent movies had been denied Final Cut and were even taken away from him in post-production. This is M. Night's first film since The Village to not receive Razzie nominations for Worst Picture, Worst Director, or Worst Screenplay. Uh, This is the second film from M. Night featuring a poster depicting various rules. The first one was The Village in 2004, and... This is his does not he, M Night does not make his customary cameo in this movie. Uh, this is the one I think is pretty cool. And Tyler's rap at the end, he says that he survived like Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon movies. In this movie, Tyler kills Pop Pop by repeatedly slamming his head with the refrigerator door. Mel Gibson's character killed a bad guy the same way in Lethal Weapon 2, 1989, except Gibson's character used a car door instead of a refrigerator door. 
And these are the two funny comments I saw on uh, YouTube. I just wanted to share. <laughs> this one guy says, man, I wish my Skype had connection that good. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just a, uh, this isn't really We one. can attest to that on this show. Yeah, yeah, for real. This one is just something I kind of, I really like. Would you mind getting inside the oven to clean it? That may be just the greatest line from any horror movie ever. And I got the budget too, but I'm sure Mike will touch on that. Anybody else got fun facts? I have the budget and the gross and all that, but if somebody else has yeah. anything, go first. No, Nico, you said mine, so go ahead. Oh, yeah, okay. same. Uh, yeah, so the visit grossed over $65.2 million in the United States, and it grossed over $98.4 million worldwide against a $5 million budget. So that's awesome. Low-ass budget, high-ass profit. Well done, M. Night Shyamalan. Nice bounce back. Hey, hey. He took a lot of L's, and this movie he bounced back. <laughs> Big Sean style. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all ready to jump into uh, favorite kill? Least favorite kill in the rating. Let's do it. Do it. All right, I'm gonna I'm go last this week if y'all don't mind. Whoever wants to, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll get mine out. I was oh. gonna say I'll get mine away because okay, Nico ahead. and I have been on. Nico and I have been on the outs as far as the past few picks of his, so <laughs> it's <the> fine. <laughs> you know. Listen, I just want to say that first and foremost, I love my brother Nico. And second of all, this movie had its flaws. Like, I thought that it's an enjoyable movie only because of the length. Had it gone any longer, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. Um, I'm <laughs> oh, uh. not Shyamalan can write his ass off, but I felt like this this movie just didn't hit like me or hit like his others did to me so as well, well you know we'll just go least favorite kill favorite kill there's only two right so I'm, i gotta go with nana's being my least favorite and pop pop being my favorite just because seeing tyler smash that refrigerator door while yelling footballs you know football metaphors it really did it for me because we're in late august meaning football's coming up, so I, I just needed to see someone get killed to football words. Um, that being said, <laughs> <laughs> overall, I do not hate this movie. I will watch this movie again. I've seen it twice in the past three or four days. I will watch it again. I'm a huge M. Night Shyamalan fan. This isn't one of my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movies. So I got to give it a 6.25. All right, I'll go next. So uh, my favorite kill is Pop Pop. My least favorite kill is Nana. Uh, There's not much to choose from here, but that's definitely the order I would put those in. Um, Again, like this movie, I think it for a found footage style movie, I think it works. I And again, I think the camera not being this grainy ass uh Blair yes. Witch Project style. It's di- it's it makes it different and it helps the, the yes. movie a lot. Um, and again, I wouldn't have wanted to see the Blair Witch shot like this, but I think I think that it, on this movie it definitely helps. Um, this is uh, again my I'll say it's probably in my top four to five of M Night Shyamalan movies as ones as that, that, that I enjoy um, because again it, it is kind of a true horror movie and he doesn't always make those. You know, there's thrillers and stuff like that. But I think this movie does really well with the horror stuff that it does use. And again, it's a fucking riot as far as laughing. Like, there's a lot of good laughs here. 
and I'm a horror comedy fan. So I, I got no issue with my comedy being in with my horror as long as it's done well and done right. And I think this movie hits on all those points. The acting is good. The, the story is good. Um, Again, it's not like my favorite in my Shyamalan movie, but I do enjoy it. So all that being said, I gave it a, uh, a 7.25, one point higher than Dustin. Okay. Um, I'll go. Uh, best kill, worst kill, um, brought to you by Could Be You. Hit us up. Don't go out there.com. Don't go out there.com. Um, <laughs> don't, right. you want, don't you want this luscious voice to read your ad? Come on. Luscious. Yeah, you got that right. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's the same as them uh, as uh, Dustin and Mike. I mean, you, you can't really. I I, I like I like them exactly exactly like that, and for the reasons you guys gave. Um, you know this this to me ranks somewhere between a seven point five and an eight. Um, I, I got in trouble the last time I went like ten or fifteen decimals out. Nico yelled at me. Um, so I'll never I, do I, it again. I, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did yell. He did. You yelled and you shut me down. Um, I, so I, I, I'm going to go with just a 7.75. I really, I almost wanted to go to an eight, but, uh, um, I think it's right there and, and that's good for me. I, I mean, like I said, I really like all of the M night Shyamalan movies that I've ever seen. Um, there's no, this is no exception at all. And, um, you know, if you haven't seen it, go out there and see it. Um, especially if you, if you're like uh, real mass ears and have a, uh, a fear of children and old people, being naked, this has got it all for you. So uh, you definitely need to go check it out. All right. Uh, favorite kill is Pop Pop. The kill is intense and funny with Tyler yelling football techniques and uh, then the yeah. any other crazy bitch ass. I love that line too. Yeah, and, and my least favorite kill, I picked the off-screen real grandparents. Okay. Uh, okay. Nice. Okay. Nice. I mean, that's you, nice. you have you have the off-screen grandparents wrong. and you have Stacy in the tree. So. That's uh, fair. Oh, yep. damn, that's true. Okay. That's true. Uh, my rating, uh, I gave this movie a nine. I love it. I'm going to read my cons first. Uh, there's not many cons to me, but one that bothers me is how would a mother just ship her kids off and not even show them what their grandparents look like. Also, these grandparents are brave going on walks and into town as escape mental patients by the hospital that you fucking escape from. So they're pretty brave to do that. I don't know if I believe that really much. Uh, the pros, uh, I remember seeing this the first time at one of my previous jobs and being completely shook at the plot twist. Uh, I still get the goose pimples when mom says those aren't your grandparents. I think the acting and the whole film is excellent. Uh, big shout out to Deanna Dunnigan, 74 years old, doing this film. Very impressive. Not a fan of found footage, really, but this one is great. Uh, like I said, mentioned earlier, Chris Duckman made a great point about this found footage film. It doesn't have the ridiculous jump scared noises, music, etc. that would be found in a found footage film. Uh, the film is shot well and you feel the kids' anxiety and fear and their WTF is going on mood as their grandparents in parentheses, or not parentheses, quotations, show who they really are. Uh, I really like this movie. Um, I'm glad that I think everyone seemed to enjoy it somewhat. Uh, so yeah, I really had fun. I've, I've wanted to pick this for a while, but I've been kind of intimidated just because found footage films are so they're so hard for me to take notes on, honestly. I don't know about y'all, but they're kind of a pain. But I really enjoy this movie. Y'all got any final so, thoughts for Dustin announces his pick? Yeah, the, I, I want to say you're absolutely right, and I want to change my pick for least favorite favorite kill because 
and I meant to say this earlier, but it's like the grandparents lure that one, the one lady, and I can't think the one that they end up hanging, like they lure her away, almost like they're going to drown her or like put her in the well or that that well is finally going to come into play or something. And then suddenly she's hanging from the tree. So like, did they kill her? And then they drug her ass back up there and then hung her up and took the, I mean, like, that's what, yeah, you know what? That's right. I, that's my, that's my new least favorite kill. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're 100% right because I didn't even account for those because I kind of took it as they were dead before the movie, quote unquote, movie began. But, well, at least the grandparents, uh, you know. So, but I want to agree with you, Nico. Like, I do enjoy this film. I know that I had the lowest score on everything, but we kind of, I kind of have low score on a lot of things that we do as a whole. But I don't want to make it seem like I shit on this movie because I I enjoy anything in Matt Chamberlain does. No, that's and not, as a whole. What your rating was is what the IMDb gives it overall six point two. I think is what averages out. So I mean, I get it. Overall, we gave this film a seven point <laughs> five six two five. Seven point five six two five is a pretty damn good rating, and that should let you know like it's an enjoyable film. So I didn't want to seem like I was shitting on the film. But I do agree in retrospect because I wasn't considering those kills. Yes, the original grandparents have taken over as the my least favorite kills because we didn't see it. We just saw what uh, a rotten head and a dumpster in the basement. Come on, yeah, and a bloody hammer. Yeah, but really appreciate you guys' uh, thoughts on the movie. Uh, I'm glad we all didn't agree on everything. Uh, yeah. Brian, you got any final thoughts on shipping your kid off without showing him what the grandparents look like? Or are we ready for Dustin to announce his pick? What what Nico's referring to is like I was kind of, you know, we had talked a little bit before about about what we discussed um, earlier in the podcast about her shipping her kids off without really doing it. And I had written down, you know, that I felt like that, you know, that that she fled their house nearly two decades ago. There's no cell phones under those very quick circumstances either. And, you know, she's deliberately refrained from seeing or speaking to them despite, you know, them reaching out multiple times. But, you know, I, I, and I even wrote down that I got a little deep. I said, I think the hurt that she feels is like so intense that even having pictures of them around is too painful, which I think that M and I tried to, to drive home, and but now, you know, after we kind of had our discussion about it earlier, I still think that that's what they're intending. But I, I do agree now that it's a little bit it's a little bit harder to believe after hearing some of you guys points, too. So the, that's what he was referring to there. I think M. Night's biggest mistake was mentioning that they had like a profile on as guidance counselors or whatever on the website. It's like yeah, they don't have a picture on there of who they are. OK, uh I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, I would not ship my niece or my future kids off without. I, I'm just not shipping them off. I'm taking them there myself, probably. But uh, love this movie, Dustin. You ready to announce your pick? If if y'all are ready for a show with some fireworks, tune in. Hey, let's go, baby. Listen, I gotta tell you something here, brother. Let me tell you something, Hulk Hogan style. So, when. I was first asked to come aboard this beautiful journey that is the Don't Go Out There podcast. You know, Nico and I, we're we're on the same page a lot of times. I know you wouldn't gather that by listening to <laughs> the last few some weeks. of Nico's <laughs> last few picks, but that's okay. That's okay. Overall, though, we both agree that Jason Voorhees is the greatest slasher of all time. 
And we both agree well, that overall, by the way, you you know you're wrong. You shut your mouth. So we both overall know that Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, is an underrated piece of shit filmography. Oh no, oh, I know where you're going with that. I'm sorry. It's a giant <laughs> piece of no. shit, and I cannot Whoa. wait to fuck around and shit all over it. So 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 next week, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Nico and I are going to win the tag team championship against Brian and Mike because we're going to tell you all the reasons why that movie is not as bad as you remember. It's awful. There are literally two people on this earth that like that movie, and they're both on this damn podcast. Of course they are. (laughs) And I can't wait, baby. (laughs) Hey, Dustin. Hey, your pick is Tyler and Mike. His opinion is Grandpa Pop's uh, shitty diaper. <laughs> no, sir. No. no. you damn right. Jason Takes Manhattan is the shitty diaper. No, I'm slamming that head in the, in the, in the refrigerator door and be like, you like that, baby? I'll be honest. There's a part of me that, me that would rather get t- Pop Pop the tower than have to watch this fucking movie again. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> All right, we're off the rails. Anyways, looking forward to next week. Uh <laughs> had a great time tonight uh we really appreciate all support uh if you haven't turned us off yet after that debate uh give us a quick five star rating on itunes <laughs> <laughs> we really uh would appreciate that we're uh we're growing reaching out to new people and follow us on social media that really help us out a lot too just want to remind everybody uh-